0: To a 9 to nine Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of the 9 to 5 Entertainment System. Uh, if you enjoyed the 9 to 5 Entertainment System, did you know that there's a supporting podcast called Garbage Time up on our Patreon page? If you are a Patreon subscriber of $3 or more, you will get an episode of 9ES Garbage Time. Every single time we record, so that means two episodes a month, $3 or more. It's just like more uh, 90s, but also more garbage. What do we talk about this episode? We talk about the dangers of road work. We talk about some current events. We talk about the plight of sugar maples in Canada. We talk a little bit about Far Cry New Dawn. We talk about cynicism versus naivete. We talk about Bloodshot with Vin Diesel uh, and Valiant Comics kind of in general. We talk about the film Project Power. We talk about a bunch of Kung Fu movies. We talk about uh, the new Robocop and uh, Lovecraft Country. All this and more on Nine Minutes. Enjoy the show. Tell your friends we love you. So we're not supposed to talk about COVID.
1: <laughs> it's just tedious. It's all it anybody fucking tedious, talks about. I guess. And alright, second wave is here. How many how many cases? Canada, I think, went over a thousand today. Oh my God, we're doing it!
2: Stop.
0: (laughs) No, we're not. That's (laughs) it. There it
1: is. Thousand cases
0: today. Uh, The only,
1: the only, the only COVID-related
0: thing. I don't care. No, it's not about not about the current state, but it's about in April. That I guess this is like the the six hundred and fifty million mask scandal. You guys have heard about this, I'm sure. Nope. Uh, So there was an actual plan tabled to the president back in April uh, for the distribution of 650 million masks to Americans. So literally two to one American to mask ratio. Uh And uh, the Trump government was like...
2: No, no, hang on a second. Who who on earth could deliver 65 million masks to the American people? The ineffective
0: United States Postal Service, obviously, which cannot be trusted to uh, handle mail-in votes, which is the other postal service is in a big having a big week
1: (laughs) yeah i I feel our postal service here in canada is also under assault and it is the intention that people pay for this service more expensively than have it provided cheaply by the government well
0: they're a private company is the thing but then they have the government sets their prices of what the maximum they can charge for things right Right. so it's like imagine you're like i'm a for prop for-profit company called either the Canadian or the United States Postal Service. But then you I can't charge more than X by a stamp cuz the government puts that. FedEx is like we're going to charge $20 to get this to you.
1: Right. But you know <laughs> But the thing is there's there are things that are important for a society to function and like a functioning mail service that just gets it around is better for everybody. It's like it's why private roads are a goddamn disaster everywhere they get implemented. It always fucks things up. It never works.
0: Wait, but toll roads are like the nicest roads
1: that that you can drive on. No, toll roads are total disasters. They did gigantic studies on this in Quebec. Quebec was – I think it was the first place that did this. They studied how much does it cost, how much extra pollution gets made, how much time gets wasted, how much whatever. It's never profitable to do it unless you're charging people exorbitant amounts of money. So we just gave up on it in Quebec, and our society is better for it. We just have crappier
0: roads, but they're less costly to the – population, right. I guess.
1: <laughs> well, I, the, the, the Crappy Roads is a complicated story about nepotism and, and only using local businesses and, <laughs> uh, you know. And, and, and the largest temperature variation yeah. of, like, populated. No, 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 you can't do that. Norway, Denmark, Sweden, some parts of Germany, Switzerland, a lot of them, they don't have exactly the same range, yeah. but they still have enormous ranges. Yeah, and yeah but it's...
0: Absolutely, there's better systems, without a doubt. And I'm just saying, it's it's combined combined factors of if you have a tricky situation to build infrastructure in anyway, and then you just send it to dirty money, it's yeah. like it's like a two like a, a left and a right hook, right? Uh, it's not just one or the other. Like, absolutely, people could do better with Quebec infrastructure. My but, my
2: my take on that is they need to stop t- tearing up the roads they just built because <laughs> they're tearing up Saint Remy again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like that, like, I honestly,
0: I was like the last time that the Saint Remy Tunnel was open for like a consecutive period of
2: time in my life, I was in college. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. I'm like, you guys just paved that six months ago. I can't believe you're tearing it up again. Oh it's man, killing me, uh, killing me, Smalls. <laughs> but yeah,
0: that's uh, that's it. I think a crazy, crazy news week all around. The what is it? there's the the Woodard book came out, which is. Uh, again, this... I didn't
1: catch that whole story. He did an interview with Trump, and Trump rat, ran off his mouth on a bunch of things, and it's interesting. 17 the, interviews. Yeah, did a
0: series of 17 interviews, and then immediately, like, the book comes out, and Trump just is just sort of like, what a terrible journalist. And I was like, these are interviews. that are all taped. But with the
2: prize-winning <laughs> journalist,
0: Bob Woodward. Like, yeah. the, the dude who broke Watergate. <laughs> like uh you sit down and do 17 interviews with that guy man what do you think is gonna happen but anyway but the big the big deal much like this mask thing of uh was the large takeaway of it was that trump knew it would be bad and was uh just downplaying it to try to avoid widespread panic and that's Mm -hmm. kind of the uh the big thing that happened in canada too yeah, for sure. There was a
1: report that the RCMP was passing around all kinds of stuff that got that got shut down, like in November or something. They had a good warning about it, and and it didn't get public. Yep. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but I mean, at the same time, we also don't have one in five cases on the planet. Yeah. So <laughs> there's like there's okay, we're done. Yeah. But yeah. So but that's that's I'm saying that's actual news. That's that's presidential related, which I think mean cost them some more points in the election because the election is a couple months away. By a couple, I mean like what seven weeks. Six? It's November 4th? So that's it. Yeah, right around the corner. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on Friday. Yep. Which yep. Uh,
1: Her dying is, words, my deepest wish is that I'd not get replaced <laughs> until after the election. Yeah. Not going to happen. Mitch McConnell backpedaling. Every one of them fucking backpedaling. Because four years ago, of course, they argued exactly the opposite. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's that
0: amazing Lindsey Graham quote there, where, like, which, of course, is just being... Plastered everywhere, rightfully so. Even being of like, course. use my own words against me. And you're like, well, here's Religious what we're really doing for it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. uh, although I, I guess there are some like um, voices of reason because apparently, like, certain members of the GOP are like, votes have been cast, like the election is underway. They're like, this is not feasible. Like, this is completely. Like, actual, like I said, actual, like, sitting members of the GOP were, like, it's obviously, I think, the further right ones who are, like, well, just get another SCOTUS in there, because that'll be three in one term. What the hell? Government. (laughs) Like, just even if, like, regardless of which way you land, it's insanity that, like, a president could appoint three members to the Supreme Court of the United States who will then serve until they stop serving. And and I mean, this
1: is super, super democratic, right? Right unelected officials determine, uh, you know, occupy or, the highest oh, okay. courts, determine are the final arbiters of law in the country, and they're appointed for life and get rotated random, like, when they die by whoever happens to be in charge at that time. Yep. How is this remotely democratic? It's such insanity. Yeah.
0: Like, well, You you shared that meme, right? Where they were just sort of like, an old lady dies, and then all of the, like, an unelected lady dies, and now all the laws might change. Whoops. <laughs> You're like, oh, cool. So yeah. our, oh man, <sighs> messed up. Anything? I mean, yeah, that's it. So that's current events, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, the election marches ever closer. It seems to be running up. I don't know. I mean, I, f- I, I think we said this with Clinton and going into it, but it's like I don't see how he could pull it off. I mean, he can. Trump. Like Trump. Yeah. But I, I feel that, like, the biggest thing holding him back is is not being able to get out there and, and do the rabble rousing and, like, getting the full, like, Trump full of stadium Trump supporters experience. Your
1: optimism betrays you. What you're missing is that he's had four years of preparation for the the biggest, most complex orchestrated event of voter fraud that ever has been. The amount of <laughs> votes, voters that are going to be turned away, the amount of officials who are going to be counting remote-made votes, right, Yeah, are going to be uh, – like, who's going to going to possibly guarantee that any of this stuff happens properly? No. How could you? Everything's getting <laughs> mailed in. It's going to be a total fucking disaster. It's going to be
0: mailed in, and then polling stations are going to have absurdly long irons and low-income areas and, and- – and- yeah, And they have every, every possible excuse of like, like right now they're like, oh, there's a massive shortage of uh, poll workers right now because you know who poll workers often are? Like retirees who Absolutely. really don't feel safe interacting with thousands of people in a day. So like that is a true thing that's easily exploitable to suddenly be like, well, we have less polling stations.
1: And as we know moments oh. ago, USPS in the process of being defunded is trying to run, trying to run it, you know? Yeah.
2: And don't forget, this is not nationwide. He needs to do it in like twelve states. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. Like, I mean, like states. California. Who cares? Like he yeah, exactly. doesn't care. New York. He doesn't care. Vermont. He doesn't care. He he can have all of the Biden voters come out, hundred percent. He was, It wouldn't matter. Yeah, anymore. it's your
0: battleground states. It's your Wisconsin. It's your Florida. It's your Ohio, wherever, Ohio, Iowa,
2: Illinois.
0: Yep. All them.
2: Yeah, Great. so he doesn't even have to mess with all of the the whole country. He just has to pick a few counties that they've all broken down and analyzed, and and.
0: I mean, realistically, or, uh, no. or, or statistically, not necessarily realistically, but statistically, you really just need to mess with Florida, right? Like, hasn't Florida determined? Like every president for the last seventy years or whatever,
1: <laughs> like that, that may be, but I kind of feel like Florida's been messed with enough already. How many hurricanes yeah, just, are they <laughs> at in twenty twenty? <laughs> but that's what that's what I'm saying. It's like it's the easiest one, to but like
0: they're also like rife for the messing with, right? Like COVID's yeah. running rampant. They're being slammed with hurricanes. Like oh, polling stations lost votes, yeah. hanging chads, like whatever. <laughs> You know, you just say a bunch of things and then you're like, the Florida numbers take like a year or two to figure out, and yeah. Trump's like incumbent until then. <laughs> like, there's How? a million things that, like, it says
2: Florida's just like easy to mess with. How does Florida still vote Trump, though? Like, they're <laughs> getting bombarded by <laughs> hurricanes, and he's like, eh, it's no big deal. It's going to get cold soon. Oh my God, the climate change. Did you see this climate change
0: quote, John? I know you try to, you try to check out from all of this and it's probably much, much, much better for your mental health. But uh, like sitting at a, um, I forget who it was, but he's like, he's sitting at like this kind of like round table situation where there's like an assigned scientist is like presenting climate change to Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is just sort of like, it'll cool off. Just you watch. And I was like, and you just see the guys like, like just like dumbfounded that that is his answer is like yeah. just you watch I did hear that and you're like how do you how do you even talk to that person or who is becomes the figurehead of a so, group of people
1: this is this is my fun response to that so the sugar maple is uh-huh. part of our Canadian heritage okay the highest speed sugar maples can travel at is ten kilometers a year okay okay and so you think um the the you know they have to plant a seed it takes 40 years for it to grow and then it has to plant another one right they don't have a super wide dispersal on their seeds it's very very Uh, slow for it to travel north. they
0: they don't have sweet sweet helicopters
1: right and uh and so the speed at which the zone in which they can grow is moving north is, Mm is 50 kilometers a year and so all of sugar maples will be extinct Unless, and there's a group that's trying to do this, they're taking sugar maple seeds and planting them way in the north in tundra and stuff, expecting that the climate will be fine by the time they're ready to grow in a hope to prevent the maple from going extinct. That's so nuts. I went, like, yeah. that,
0: that seems like a feasible plan. And like, you know what I mean? Like,
1: that it's that does like not. It's desperation. And, and that's yeah. what we got. Yeah. Ugh. Thanks, Trump. Yeah. Not that that's all his fault. You can't do that. But
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, it, it, it's just it's that that whole thing where you're just sort of like every every year of inaction is like adding ten years to the problem plus, you know, like or or active, Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool.
2: I'm
0: playing Far Cry. F- New Dawn. Which yeah, kinda, is that kind of has an optimistic outlook <laughs> on all that. So at the end of Far Cry 5, I want to say, like, the, the big twist ending to Far Cry 5, which I guess spoilers, um, because it was, like, friggin' three years ago or something, is that the crazy, uh, like, Far Cry 5 was the one that caught, got a lot of media attention because it presented United States, uh, like, a militia that, like, takes over United States County and is a crazy cult leader and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, like, that would never happen in the United States. But one of the weird twists is that his weird doomsday cult was, like, right? And, like, bombs go off in the finale. Like, like you see, like, mushroom clouds or whatever, but you're, like, in... I think you're supposed to be, like, in a weird county in Montana or something. So it's, like, you see them all off in the distance and crazy fallout and explosions. And, like, the entire last sequence of the game is, like, America has been bombed.
1: That's amazing. And it's, like, your <laughs> perfect setup for the next Far Cry game.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, like, credits, yeah. <laughs> you know? But I was going to say but the 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 kind of optimism of it is the which which even a lot of environmentalists have said is like not to say we should count on this but like everybody goes down into bunkers kind of fallout style and they were like with no human activity the earth bounced back a lot quicker than we expected so the second game only takes place i think like 20 or 30 years after the first one where it's like it's safe to come out and like all there's like all this new vegetation and all that stuff and and whatever else. So it's not like a huge jump. So that's how I was going to say. It's It's optimism levels are that if humans actually like stop messing with things, the planet can potentially bounce back. Like they've seen that, I guess. Is like is it...
1: completely false, right? There's enough carbon in the atmosphere right now to ruin everything. If we don't do mass carbon capture, many, many parts of the world will be unlivable for tens of thousands, if not forever.
0: Yeah. Now, the... for, for no doubt. But I just, I think that there's like, I was, like, reading this thing about, uh, like, where they were talking about, like, climate change and whatever else, is they were saying that, like, the assumption, like, and there's, like, a big thing, like, the, the reason why we say life as we know it will never come back. They were, like, that doesn't necessarily speak to the stuff we don't know about. And, again, I'm I'm saying this in, the like, not a, like, it's going to be okay. I do not believe it's going to be okay. But they're, like, we don't necessarily know the actual adaptability of things. Life as we know it, to your point, is screwed. Like, it's done. <laughs>
2: like
0: by a wide margin in lots of places. But I don't know. I like to imagine that if we disappeared, if all humanity disappeared one day, like the earth could get its feet back under it. Optimism, you guys, maybe so, we should all leave the planet. I,
1: I was thinking about this the other, the other day about optimism and about pessimism. And um, so I think w- when you hear about naivete, you consider that it is a false understanding of the world Sure. Right, a simplification that makes one feel a little bit better um,
0: well, I don't think so. I think that the truly naive don't even necessarily have to like do it to feel better like that's like pure like actual
1: naivete is like ignorance it's almost, like an right? unconscious thing right there's there's yeah. the ignorant side of naivete, but there's also like a willing side to it too, where you're you're just not willing to consider the reality of the world in order yeah. to simplify it and make it easier to understand so from that description, cynicism is essentially the same thing. It, however, it is the pessimistic coin where naivete is the optimistic side of the coin. What do you think about that? Well... So like, cynicism is pessimistic naivete, and naivete is optimistic cynicism. I can see that. Isn't that neat?
0: The only thing is, is that I believe it has to, I guess, like, just from a, how you think perspective I can see that but in terms of like how you act it's very different as I, I believe that like optimistic people are far more likely to like take action to do something than a full like pessimistic cynic who's just like there's no change right so you're saying it's better to be naive than cynical probably. Like, I think if, you, if you're just sort of like, hey, you want to clean up the park across the street, like, your naive optimist is going to be like, okay, whereas mm-hmm. your cynic pessimist is going to be like, screw it, the planet's dying. <laughs> you know what I'm like? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. but we could clean the park across the street.
2: <clears throat> yeah, but the pessimist might go to the doctor to get that thing on his arm checked out before the naive person is like, it's just a freckle. <laughs> It's not sure. a freckle. <laughs> but I mean, or, or it's just a freckle. I'll be fine. Yeah.
0: But then the truly pessimistic person lives in the United States of America where he's like, he knows what that doctor's bill is going to be. So he doesn't go anyway.
2: So you guys, I watched um, Bloodshot this blood, week. Blood, bloodshot, Bloodsport? Bloodshot. Is I watched both. Is that a sequel <laughs> no. Uh, oh, the Vin
0: Diesel uh, blah that, that wanted to kick off the not the Valiant verse.
1: Yeah, the Valiant verse. Hey, memories. Isn't I that them. like the bottom tier comics? I, I don't. They were, I think.
2: Scott, give us a brief
1: yeah. a
0: brief history of Valiant. All right.
2: In 1992, um, a lot of other creators had seen what had happened at Image, where the top artists ran off to go do image comics and Jim Shooter, who was the former editor in chief of Marvel comics was like, I can run a comics company better than seven fancy art guys. Cause I did. And he grabbed a bunch of like old school, you know, meat and potatoes, comic book guys to start his own company called the Valiant Verse, and did very, very well for a period of time, creating a bunch of, uh, comic book characters that had more depth to them than the image characters, but not nearly as much style.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I was like, I always and this speaks to the fact that you just said 1992, because I was like nine or ten or whatever. And I just like, I always remember like Valiant comics where I was like, they had okay covers. And if I like, I flipped through them in the comic book store, I was like, these look like trash. And then I was like, sign me up for that sweet, sweet Jim Lee, like image goodness.
2: (laughs) I want that Rob Liefeld and I want it in my vein.
0: 100% Todd McFarlane for life, baby. And like There's plus, nothing going on in those
2: comics. <laughs> plus, they were at the time in 1992, they were being written by guys who were like 45. So if you were like 9 like Keith or 14 like me, you did not want to slog through some of these books, but they do hold up a lot better. Hmm. Yeah. Old man Eric out. says that he's like a, he has a soft spot for the Valiant comics, right? The man, oldest a, of us all, Eric. The, Bloodshot was one of the characters there, but there was also Solar Man of the Autumn, Exo Man of War, um, they brought in Turok Dinosaur Hunter as one of the, the You might know from
0: Turok video games.
2: Yeah, from the comic books. Yeah. Um Archer and Armstrong and uh, Eternal Warrior. Some cool stuff, Harbinger, mm-hmm. uh Ninja. Like, I feel,
0: a, a, a section of like fifty year old geeks that are like Valiant, <laughs> you know, Let like me, yeah. like like dudes who were like in their twenties when Valiant came out as the alternative to the to the big two. Like if you were like twenty in the like early nineties, you were probably like these comics. Get it, man. When and like, how
1: did it perish?
2: Um, it sort of did not survive the collapse of the speculator market. So it did play very heavily into, you know, variant covers, rare holofoil edition. Hmm. So in that mid to late 90s, once people realized that hoarding, you know, 50 versions of Bloodshot number one wasn't going to pay for their house, (laughs) the whole bottom fell out of that company. So, but I mean, that wasn't just... Valiant, like, a lot of comic book companies crashed, yeah, like, Malibu Comics, ah, ended up selling to Marvel. Marvel lost millions of dollars and was in Chapter 11. Um, the
0: top Topcast spun up from Image and then got reacquired by Image or whatever yeah. the heck it was like. They were like, help! <laughs> we made a huge mistake.
2: Yep. <laughs> like, uh, Jim Lee's studio got bought by Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. and he was just like, now I work for DC, look at all my Batman stuff. Nice. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean it's fine. That happens sometimes. You know, people make comic book companies and they don't last forever. Design insane,
0: flimsy models.
2: <laughs> like, well, I mean, you know, it's like card collection. The whole yeah, thing. there was Fleer and Opeachy and Tops and Donruss and Bowman, and like that was a thing that existed for a little while. Or video stores. Yeah, you know, that's it. We don't we don't have those anymore. Just like we don't have Valiant comics in the way that it was. But so all that D- to say, there was, a, there was a rife, a universe like ripe for the picking. Yeah, a bunch what? of IP that you could get for not Marvel or DC prices. Why not? And into a Vin
1: Diesel movie.
0: And they also it it was all interrelated too, right? Like same deal as like the traditional image Marvel. Like Valiant comics existed in the Valiant verse, so yeah. everybody codes it. okay, I'm with it. So I watched Bloodshot. Did you guys see the trailer for this
2: movie? Nope. I did. It looked bad. look looked real bad. UFC advertised it to me. <laughs> All right. So the worst thing about the trailer is it spoils the whole twist of the movie directly yeah. in it. That, I, I pushed it out of my mind. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it for you because you guys are going to have to watch it. It's on, mm. it's on Amazon right now, so... Sit down and enjoy. I don't want to spoil it for you. But it's a, imagine if you were watching the trailer for The Sixth Sense. And in the middle of that trailer, it's like, and Bruce Willis is also a ghost. You're like, wait, what? Featuring Bruce Willis as a ghost. Like, in <laughs> like, the <trailer>. like, <laughs> a freaking Bloodshot trailer does that. It's just like, <laughs> well, that sort of sucks. And then I thought because they did that, you know, they would kind of get to the ramifications of this twist pretty quickly in the movie. And they also don't do that. Like, it is a key point of the third act. So, <laughs> Like, they really just ruin all of it. And you're watching it going, shit, like, I know what's going to happen. Well, So, Bloodshot is basically a soldier that's brought back to life. I have, right? I have a question, though, Scott,
0: about sure. the twist.
2: Is yeah. it, like, how
0: the trailers for uh, Spider-Man Far From Home really went out of their way to kind of like not show that Mysterio was the bad guy. But if you like read the comics, you're like, obviously Mysterio is the bad guy. Was the bloodshot twist similar? Like if you had read the comics, was it like, oh yeah, this guy is This guy is a, a bad, like a classic bad guy. So it's not yeah. even
2: like, no, a no, comic no. information twist. It's a plot point twist. Oh it wow! Is a straight it's a straight-up plot. Even less forgivable. Yeah, it is. It is like if in Knives Out, they were just like, watch as James Bond tries to figure out that Captain America is a murderer. You're like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> we should write trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the murderer? It's Captain America. But when will we find out? Probably near the end. Baby, like, baby
0: James Bond segue. New James Bond was announced, guys. It's Tom Hardy. When Daniel Craig is done, it's going to be Tom
2: Hardy. So, I think he has another one. Okay, so back to Valiant. So, back to Bloodshot. Uh, Vin Diesel plays a soldier who gets killed and then gets brought back to life by a corporation that has basically purchased his body from the U.S. Army saying, we're going to run these crazy experiments, uh, give us some people to work on, and they've Plug his body up full of crazy technology and nanite technology, and basically give him Wolverine powers. And it's like, what if the Punisher had a healing factor and goes on crazy missions for the government? Yeah. Uh, Guy Pierce is the mad scientist who's in charge of the 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 company that brings him back. That's fun, and that's always fun. Can't can't get enough Guy Pierce. Mm-hmm. Uh. For a dumb action movie, as you could tell by Vin Diesel being the only character on the poster, mm-hmm. it was fine. I just really wish Where the does stu- it rank in the in the, the Temple of Vin? <laughs> Under most of the Fast and the Furious and Triple X movies, but above any dramatic movie he's ever tried to undertake as a movie. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: now I feel like I I'm gonna will I enjoy it even more
2: because I've forgotten the twist?
0: Because I was yes. drinking and watching UFC,
2: and and the twist isn't even like super obvious. Uh, not even super like sneaky. It's not like a a good M Night Shyamalan mm-hmm. twist. It's it's dumb because it's a dumb action movie. It's just <laughs> I can't believe the audacity of them ruining it. Like it it boggles the mind of how bad that trailer is. Yeah, exactly.
0: Who cuts the trailers together probably is very far removed from who made the film. Oh what was oh yeah, I think we I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? Like that weird like local station um like <laughs> commercial for like Batman begins. Or whatever, with like has like Nickelback playing, and it's just like exclusively cuts the, the love story between like uh, Christian Bale and Katie Holmes. Like you can watch. I, I had to. I like. De- I saw this commercial, and I was like, it has to be fake. It's so off. Like I think it's like like I don't know if it's photographed, but it's basically like Batman with like. Look at this photograph, and it's just like like the five minutes of the movie where they're like hugging and embracing is just cut rapidly together. Where you would like, it looks like a love film. And I was like, what is this even for? I had to like, it looked so fake. I had to look it up and find out that, no, it was just, they cut it together to play uh, in like soap opera commercial slots and whatever else to try to get.
2: Like during Grey's Anatomy kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: exactly. Just to try to to get the ladies. (laughs) But it was just so like, you're like, what is this? Like, you can't imagine that Christopher Nolan was like, yes, that
2: is the commercial for my movie. (laughs) It was was like more, Katie Holmes looked like the most important thing. In the world, yeah, and that the love Venom. story was
0: like super important to the film,
2: like, yeah. mm-hmm. All right, I want to put this on the list. I'm uh, who I'm looking at like Venom and solo levels,
0: it's got to be below. Uh, there's is there another Vin Diesel property?
2: <laughs> yeah, the triple X return of Xander Cage is on the list somewhere, that's down at 96. Yeah, it's going below that. That that movie that movie delivered on everything <laughs> it promised. It's also below
0: Chappie. Incidentally, Far Cry New Dawn has <laughs> multiple word songs in the soundtrack. Because the weird post apocalyptic like Mad Max people just blast De Antwerp a lot from their bases. It's the best. Because mm. as you would <laughs> I feel. Just running into a go and assault like a, a base camp post apocalyptic while the loudspeakers blast Fatty Boom Boom. A plus.
2: That's that's good times. It is. Uh I'm scrolling even further down than that. It's evil It's dead. not as it's not as good as Last Action Hero, which is at one twenty. Oh yeah. It's def one forty is the cap. It's better than Rush, for sure. Oh.
0: Yeah. So uh, where where can it get over? <laughs>
2: it could probably go above. Big Vengeance, I feel, is also a very good probably benchmark for it. Like you know what I'm gonna I, I say a little bit under that like right above Cropsy and anything anything
0: you could do to bump Cropsy down because you I hate that movie
2: I fucking hated that movie <laughs> but such a stupid documentary.
0: <laughs> cool. uh, anyway, uh, yeah. while we're talking about movies, and Scott said that we should talk about Bloodshot mm-hmm. or we should watch Bloodshot. Yep. Should we Just talk watch about it. the movie that? that Scott won't won't just have to watch, but like must watch.
2: Ooh, I'm excited. Oh, you should be. You should be
0: a pretty good one. I think (laughs) it was, it was even, it was the first, uh, like I suggested it. And then
1: John didn't correct me. And then the more and more I thought about it, I was like, no, 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 man. I didn't have to correct you. I went in and looked at the page and the page made good justification for it.
0: uh, I think so. How, how do we how do we start this? The, Alrighty. Um,
1: so this is Bill Clinton's favorite comedy movie. Yeah. I mean that right there. Got to got to sell it a little. So this is the best. Oh <laughs>
0: <God>. <laughs> and how and, how, and how it's how we know that it's Bill Clinton's favorite film
1: is favorite. that apparently not favorite uh, film
0: favorite comedy. Let's be fair to old, old
1: Bill. That's true. That's true.
0: So uh, Bradley Cooper and Todd Phillips um, had dinner with Bill Clinton while they were filming The Hangover Part 2. And they were like, and Bill Clinton was, they knew it was a comedy movie, and Bill Clinton was like, I love comedies. This blank movie is my favorite comedy. Like, have you seen it?
2: <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Okay. That, see, see, almost they, almost any other president, you could say, this is their favorite movie, their comedy movie. And I'd be like, I'm so interested and not scared. <laughs> Good point. Mm-hmm. Except, Bill, Clinton. Bill Clinton's from Arkansas. <laughs> okay, and so, like during during his like hippie long hair days at college,
1: he did not try marijuana. And I'm so nervous as to what he thinks is funny. Well, he claims he did not try marijuana. Let's 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 be real. Should um, we so, talk about who the star is? Yeah, I think, I think that well, even
0: the star wouldn't wouldn't necessarily tip him off.
1: Okay, go. Yeah, do it. This, and I'll, this,
0: I'll I'll do the supporting actor who is uh, yeah. This this film stars a member of hip hop super group. Well, not not super group, but like super famous, beloved hip hop super team. Super team, uh, Outcast, Big Boy. Big Boy is the star of this film, not a supporting cast. The star of this film is Big Boy.
2: What?
1: (laughs) Uh, Supported by beloved uh, character actor Jeffrey Jones.
0: Uh, uh,
2: what? Jeffrey Jones, you know. The, the principal Jones, from Ferris movie. Yeah, yeah, the one who was arrested. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah.
0: Old Jeffrey ain't, ain't done. Anyway. Fun, another fun tidbit about this film. Uh, this film was made after all of that uh, went down. We're, we're just talking about it like Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones? Yes. Yeah, Jeffrey. yeah. Jeffrey Jones was like a, like convicted for... Uh, solicitation trading.
1: to an underage. Yeah. His lawyer repeatedly says there was no contact. It was solicitation. Mm-hmm. But was still found guilty of it, right? Like he got, he had,
0: to, he got put on the
1: registered sex offenders list, and then avoided re-registering as a sex offender when he moved from state to state, and was twice caught for it. So, yeah.
0: including and- at, or at least uh, this caused some uh, troubles for the filming of this movie because there was reports in the filming of this movie that. Like where they were filming on location and stuff uh, people got really really upset that a registered sex offender had like come to that neighborhood without there being like signs up so like this movie happened he got work after all of that and this movie actually had some like production problems mm-hmm. because they came into a neighborhood hey little Wayne as himself oh very very uh, is it yeah, it is edited by your friend and mine Scott Mosier. <laughs> What?
1: Oh man! <laughs> Scott
0: Motor edited this film. All
1: right, are you ready? Uh, oh, the, the final, the final nail in this one's coffin, distributed by the Weinstein's. Whoa. Oh God! <laughs> oh, I mean, also,
0: it, it, so the the without giving you the the title necessarily, uh, it it's black exploitation's answer to Caddyshack. Yeah.
2: Scott's eyes are audibly wide, Man, I feel like I've seen the d v d cover for this. I probably have last of the video stores, yep, being like, "Oh no, who would do that?
1: <laughs> have you got it? Not no, it's uh, who's your caddy oh oh two
2: thousand seven yep, I'm gonna look this up right now so I can see the poster. The uh-huh. film was released on July 27, 2007, in the United
0: States, to universally negative reviews and commercial failure. Uh, it was then released on DVD in November 27, 2007. This is also fun for you at home, uh, listener, because when I Googled who's your caddy, there's a full version of it on YouTube that just uh-huh. no, like, no one has chosen to enforce the copyright of.
1: You, you can play <laughs> along, but we recommend that you do not. The uh, 6% I, on Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. <clears throat>
2: Um, oh, oh, it's got Andy Milanakis in it too. Yep. who's that? Oh, the the kid who's now not a kid in this movie. He was mm-hmm. like the fat kid on a bunch of like Disney shows.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh, it also has uh, Terry uh, Terry Crews. Oh it. my god! Before he broke out. Yeah. yeah. Early wow. early Terry Crews. Yeah, early. But uh, but yeah, no the. Um, I didn't want to spoil too much of it for myself, but I was like reading some reviews and stuff of it and they said that predominantly the humor surrounds around farts. Like why? Well, that's why deep, not
2: around golf?
0: A deep hole to mine for comedy. Exactly. That's it. And and apparently they're just sort of like like it it's not just like some fart jokes. It's like what does the scene need? Fart jokes just all the time.
2: Oh, this looks really bad, guys. Hey. <laughs> just look, just,
1: we, just we gave you Transformers of the movie a few months ago, buddy. You have some ground you know, to make up. I feel
2: like this is a COVID metaphor. You guys were really <laughs> nice to your medical professionals at the start of this stuff, and now Second wave, you're tired of it. You're just tired of it. It's a hoax. hoax. <laughs> you're keeping us in our homes. Yeah, you're getting anti-maskers, freedom <laughs> protesters. Oh my god. I have to watch the trailer.
0: Uh hang on. I'll I'll pause this and just so that we can come back and, and watch the trailer.
2: Yeah. Had yeah. yeah.
0: had how, how, how'd you like that, Scott?
2: Oof. That was unfortunate. That, yep. That was That was like, a, I think we could... a bad in living color sketch. Yeah. I it's think... an hour and a half long, eh?
0: Yeah. Fortunately it's like got a short run time. I feel that like I was watching this and I was like I think I felt the worst for Big Boy. <laughs> Cuz I was just sort of like you know like Andre is usually always the one who was like going out getting movies like doing the doing the side stuff or whatever else that Big Boy's like okay I'll try making a movie. And then he gets this and he's like never again. I'm sticking to rap. I'm staying in this. Andre can do all the movies he wants. Yep. It's just this is not for me. Speaker box from here on out. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And credit and and chooses to be credited as his like his real name, yep. like, like oh, man. he has like Ant- like Antoine Big Boy, like Andre Patton. Like, could have could have just like probably maybe like bumped up the sales if he had just been credited by like as Big Boy, but it goes for his whole name. Like, remember when when The Rock started acting and it was always Dwayne The Rock Johnson, yeah, to to make sure. <laughs>
2: Well, he hey, anyway, I'm for it. It. what's
0: your what is your favorite part of the trailer, Scott?
2: Oh man. There's there's a little person in the movie.
0: Oh yeah.
2: And they make a little person joke that was you. awful. Uh-huh. They go to a strip club, of course. Yeah. Yep. Oh man.
0: <sighs> also Jeffrey Jones.
2: Right? Like <laughs> it's
0: just so bad. I felt I felt <clears throat> Like I was like, is this too mean? And then I remembered that you made me watch like Soul Man and uh, Leonard Part Six. And no, there, there is
2: there is no too mean for this game. <laughs> like this is what we do. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch it.
0: Yeah, and and like as as we said, it's uh, I guess act now, listener. It's on YouTube. <laughs> who knows how long it'll be there for probably forever because no one cares to defend this movie uh i I really i'll also i'll give you a little bit of uh insight into my um uh process i wrote i think i wrote gross out sports comedies (laughs) into a google search (laughs) to just start looking for them i was like Scott will like bad, like, will hate bad sports movies and hates gross out comedy. So, I want to find a bad sports movie that also is a gross out comedy or like veers into it. I don't know. I don't think it's going to go much deeper than fart jokes. Like, I think it's what's it rated? I don't know. It cost $7 million to make, you guys, and had a box office take of $5.7 million. Yep. Yeah. So that that piece of business is out of the way. What else is, uh, has been going on? What other movies, TV shows have you been consuming to fill your uh, the void?
1: I've been I've been watching some movies that I saw on Netflix.
0: Oh, you've been watching the inspiration uh, of the Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers album. Um,
1: well, I noticed that there was a couple of Shaw Brothers movies up on there, and then uh, there like five of them popped up on my thing all at the same time. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing that somebody either at Netflix or they paid somebody to be like, what are the best old, old ass Kung Fu movies that we should put on here? Like what's like a good cross section of them so that we can say that we have this on Netflix. Yeah. Um, And I ended up watching. Yeah. So the 36th chamber of Shaolin Return to the 36th chamber of Shaolin and um, disciples Disciples of the 36th chamber of Shaolin. And I watched also flying guillotine uh, Kung Fu Hustle, which is a more modern one, but was still pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the Five Venoms, and um, one more which I'm forgetting now. So these yeah, are like,
0: yeah, Kung well, Fu Hustle is is also very like the, its whole deal was it like CG'd up old Kung Fu stars, right? So like to 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 do well, it, no, like, it's
2: it's a it's a Chow movie.
0: Yeah, but I but, uh, but a lot of the a lot of the older people in that yeah. film are older kung fu stars. Like if you're a huge kung fu fan, it's like half the cast is like recognizable from other stuff and then they made it in, they tr- cranked the ridiculous to insane, right? They
1: really did. I have yeah. to say that movie was pretty impressive. The CG was yeah. bananas. The yeah. kung fu that comes out of old fat people all the way through <laughs> it is so fucking good. And they're so full of tricks. I don't want to, like, review all of these movies. Like, they're they're yeah. all kind of the same. They're all hokey, and they're all 45 or 50 years old. But, like, just getting to see the best ones... I don't know. I really enjoyed going through them. They were like weirder and cleverer and bizarrer than I was expecting. Like, you know, flying guillotine. You know what the plot of this is? So does it involve
0: a flying guillotine?
1: Yeah, it sure does. So what is <laughs> when I, when I say the word flying guillotine, like what do you imagine? Okay, so I, here I will tell you. Unless you I saw already the, the the cover of the film, I have not seen the cover.
0: Okay. I, I, and i watched a lot of kung fu, so if this is it, and it is a suppressed a suppressed memory, sure. But I'm imagining uh like a guillotine like a traditional like french guillotine that then the blade comes off of the cord and then shoots forward and like can fly and cut someone's no. head off from no. afar.
1: Okay. yes though. I'm Not even close. So <laughs> I- imagine if you have like a big metal frisbee, okay? Mm-hmm. You cut out the center of the frisbee so it's like a metal disk, okay? Or like a metal ring, okay? okay. You, you put a cage on the top of it, okay? okay. And then on the inside of the metal ring, you put blades. And then when you throw it, there's a chain attached to it. So you pull on the chain. The blades slide in when the when the the cage is like on a person's head, and I guess it's like you, you have tr- to like
0: frisbee it onto someone's head like a pylon and then yank it to pop their head. Off. That's
1: correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, the guys never miss. That's like part <laughs> of it, okay. Is that they're like oh they're like across the field from somebody and the guy's running oh no oh no and he looks behind him and the guy goes bah! and he throws the thing and it just flies on the guy's head and he pulls on it and, he, and like you pull the head back to you when you pull yeah. it so like. You collect people's heads with it. And then there's this whole squadron of these guys who are trained with the flying guillotine and they, and they kind of like that thing. You got to put it in as many hands as possible. Well, obviously (laughs) and they all work for the emperor and they're this like cruel gang who goes around and the people have to fight against them. And it sounds so hokey, but in the movie they kind of play it straight, you Mm -hmm. know? So like the, the people are really despairing at this, these horrible, cruel flying guillotine guys. And they kind of, you know, they stop following the rules, and they because they're so powerful, they can kind of do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Nice. It's really intense. That, that I was like I went through, like I think
0: we've uh, we may have discussed this. Like my 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 genre cinema watching uh, in high school, it was always like like horror was always like tippy top. Yeah. But like I had a soft spot for kung fu, and it was like to your point, it was always like you're trying to find like the good kung fu cuz yeah. a lot of it is just very dull like even like we watched a lot of the uh like the Jackie Chan movies for instance yeah. even yeah. even those are hit and miss you know like you're like for every drunken master there's like a gazillion things that are kind of dull and boring you know like yeah.
1: story too Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the one Jackie Chan one that I caught was the um, Young Tiger. I'm not sure if that's like his first movie or if it was one that they just put in there because whatever. And he kind of plays a bit part. I didn't really get why they chose to put, put that one on. Hmm. The Chambers of Shaolin, though. Man, I was in the middle of the second one. And then I kind of got up and then I got back down and I started watching again. And I thought I was still in the first one. It's like the <laughs> same characters in the same plot doing the same thing. They you know they go to the chamber of Shaolin, they learn Shaolin, they come back, they beat up the bad guy. And then like the chambers of Shaolin are all bananas. So every one of these rooms has some stupid gimmick that you have to do to get through the room, and then that's what it's there for. You train your Shaolin by defeating these bananas gimmicks. And then every time they go to one of the rooms, there's like a hundred disciples in, they're all trying to do the gimmick. Ah, they're all running, can they jump over the thing? Ah.
0: So it's like some of them, right? you're like, okay, like the ninth chamber it chain, trains people in like staff techniques. You're like, that's yeah. fine. Like some of them are sore techniques. Some of them test head strength where monks must headbutt their way through a corridor of sandbags and right. then place infant <laughs> sticks on an altar. <laughs> yep. Splashing, yeah, water. and you have to get to be, to be fair. That is the sixth chamber, which you must get through before you're even allowed to learn kung fu. You yeah. have to go through the six chambers, including just smashing your head through sandbags and then light an incense stick, and then you're like, now you can learn
2: some kung fu. So, yep. John, John, yep. you mentioned one of my favorite kung fu movies, The Five Deadly Venoms. Yeah, I love that movie. It I is so movie. nuts. <laughs> yep, it is crazy. So there's five. Uh, Kung Fu masters that have learned five different styles mm-hmm. the, the five deadly venoms each um, taken up the style named after one of the poisonous creatures of Chinese folklore mm-hmm. and without much explanation you're yeah. thrown into a murder mystery
1: <laughs> yeah that's the best part Is, is like so good. Th- they all only trained with their masks on so they don't know who each other is and yep. then they find out that one of the five of them murders somebody and they send another guy in to investigate and discover who they are and which one of them committed the murder. It's That's... such a good setup for a movie.
2: Except it's conflict. not set up. It, you're, no. You're,
1: yeah. you're, you're thrown media res into this
2: setup. And <laughs> you, the murder has already happened off camera and is barely referenced until you catch up to what the characters already know.
1: Huh. Maybe the version mm-hmm. I saw had a voiceover because I, I thought I thought I understood it pretty clearly from the get go. Oh man, not me. And, yeah, or uh, maybe the one you saw had a bit cut out or something. Sure. Um, yeah, check it out. It, like it, it's dated, and the kung fu isn't great. You know, it's kind of a shame we've all been spoiled by years and years of the Matrix and all that because it's it's tough to go back to some of this stuff. But um, but it's not bad because
2: it's got yeah. all these shifting alliances. And like intrigue and betrayal that happens very flowingly. It's yep. it's like stirring together like food coloring and water. You don't really because there's really five of them and they're all on their own side. They don't trust anyone. It's it's cool. Yep. I dig that movie a lot.
0: Have you ever listened to The Five Deadly Venoms of Brooklyn, Scott? This seems no. right up your alley. It's a mixtape from nineteen ninety-seven. With and it's five discs, which are the five deadly venoms of Brooklyn. So one of them is mixed by the Lizard, aka P.F. Cuttin. One of them is mixed by the Toad, aka Mr. C. One is mixed by the Snake, aka Tony Touch. One is mixed by the Scorpion, aka D.G. Premier, and the other one is mixed by the Centipede, aka Evil D. Those are like pretty like good DJs, and mixing and like if you look at like the the tracks that are mixed, they're all is like
1: like range of hip-hop up to 97, like, all over the place. So the Toad's deal in the movie is that his, his kung fu power is that he's fucking invincible,
2: yeah.
1: okay? Yep. So he cannot be defeated. He has one weak spot, but the weak spot is teeny, teeny, tiny, and nobody knows where it is. Mm-hmm. So the way that they finally defeat him is they build a gigantic suit that has a million, billion needles on it pointing inward, and they slam it on him, and one of those needles is guaranteed to hit his weak spot wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Nice. And it works. It works. Yeah. I <laughs> put the, they put the work in.
0: Yep. <laughs> if you're going to take down the toad, man, you got to have a plan.
1: Yeah. That one was a real treat and flying guillotine for, for like a kind of more serious, but, but still wacky Kung Fu experience. Mm-hmm. I would say those two are the the tops. Yeah. The 36
0: chambers ones, like, I remember them just being kind of standard Kung Fu. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's very like they're cool and
1: all, but they're a little bland, particularly after seeing three of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like the, what was it? Once Upon a Time in China?
2: What's that? That was the, the Jet Li ones? That's I like don't know. One. There's, yeah. there's I, a bunch of them, no? Those are, those are the Jet Li ones.
0: Yeah, Once Upon a Time in China. There's like the, the three of them. And like I said, I watched all those. Those were really fun. I mm-hmm. uh, watched a bunch of the Jackie Chan stuff. Uh, yeah, like I said, when when the, a lot of them, you put them on and you're just like, oh, this is kind of dry. And there's like maybe a good fight <laughs> somewhere yeah, in it. Yeah. Yeah maybe uh you put it on and there's a 107 minute fight which i think scott experienced a couple of weeks ago <laughs> mm-hmm. uh,
2: <laughs> s- still i don't know if it was great art or bad cinema <laughs> i don't know so funny I'm st- uh, uh, messing with me yeah
0: i i always like i never considered it necessarily a blind spot because i did watch a bunch of the classics but it was always like kung fu was one of those genres where I never got into it enough that, like, with horror films, I was like, I can watch the It's So Bad, It's Good. Mm -hmm. Like, I never found that sweet spot. Like, if it was a bad kung fu movie, I would, like, stop it. Keith. Like, I'd be like, I'm bored.
2: (laughs) What was the name of that um, documentary about the genre movies that featured a lot of Australian stuff? Or all the Australian? Oh,
0: not quite Hollywood. Yeah, that's specifically about australian genre film <laughs> yeah, so yeah to
1: watch some of those a eh? turkey shoot and yep. um uh yeah turkey turkey shoot and that's the other one something and, something about yeah, zombies it. it was like a, a zombie twist it's aliens yeah yeah uh, yep. the, the big rat uh, there is
2: a documentary on netflix called iron fist and kung fu kicks which is mm-hmm. kind of not quite hollywood but for the Shaw Brothers and, cool. and Kung Fu movies. And John, if you've just watched a whole bunch yeah, of yeah, them, yeah. I'm really big this documentary. I uh, enjoyed it greatly. And there's a whole part later about Cynthia Rothrock that she's not my favorite, but her story is hysterical in that movie. She <laughs> also
0: has an interview on 9 to CC, so that's fun. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so like, she Dr. shows Cynthia, up and she was like, I was in Hong Kong and I knew a little bit of karate and I'm blonde, so now I'm a Hollywood star, I guess. <laughs> now I get to be in all of the movies. <laughs> oh man. Uh, what else have you guys been watching? Or playing or I watched um Project Power on Netflix. The new oh, Joe Jamie Gordon Fox. and Yeah, Jamie Foxx. Was it good? it was it lived up to the coolness of the trailer which was nice it also didn't completely ruin the movie by watching the trailer so
0: i heard a weird anecdote about jamie fox on set from joe gordon levitt about this film so no. apparently it's not unusual uh for a lot of actors like before filming especially as sort of like intense scenes to kind of like put their earbuds in and just sort of like listen to their pump up music or whatever right. apparently jamie fox has like one of those like speaker backpacks and just like makes that a shared experience where he's, like, <laughs> he's like everybody let's go and joe gordon levin was like he's like my first instinct was it's horrible but he's like immediately i was like this is genius because we all get on the same page like we all need to bring up this intensity so we all got to be in this intense scene we all have this jam on and it's like stop the music let's roll and then like action and he's like it's the first instinct was this is obnoxious and he's like but immediately i was like this is cool and everyone on the crew and everybody's all pump into the same song and now it's like action and I was like,
1: fucking hate his music?
0: Well, too bad. You're working with Jamie Foxx. <laughs> I mean,
2: Jamie a... Foxx Fox does have pretty good taste in music. Like, I mean, it's still a it's taste. Fair. Yeah, but I mean, it's good taste. Yeah, but I guess if you're... I think that if you're Joe
0: Gordon-Levitt, you could be like, cut it back. But if you're like a gaffer, no. <laughs> too bad. <Gaffer's> gonna listen. <laughs> you gotta deal with Jamie Foxx's music. Uh so
2: the premise of this film, Scott, laid on us. Um, there's a drug on the streets mm-hmm. that if you take it, it gives you superpowers for like five minutes. It gives you the same superpowers every time you take it, but everyone who takes it gets a different superpower. Sometimes and, there's it's like, up you. and there's like a one in ten shot that you take this pill and you'll die. Your body just... Gets the superpower of exploding your guts all over the place, <laughs> even if you've taken it before, right? Because it's a street drug, right? No, Isn't that no, part no. of? The thing? If you've if you've taken it before, you figure out what your power is, and you're good.
0: Oh, so you can't explode. The, the The trailer led me to believe that there was like always a one in ten chance, even if you like knew what your power was. No,
2: no, it's a one in ten chance on that first pill.
0: No, I thought it, I thought they were trying to make like a clever uh, thing about like ODing, right? Because it's a street drug, so you don't know how strong it is.
2: No. No, it's nope. your, your power is uh, I get to light myself on fire like the human torch or I have uh, invulnerable or explode completely <laughs> and disgustingly all over everyone like a horror movie it's cool awesome. <laughs> um, Joe Gordon-Levitt plays a cop who, this all happens in New Orleans that's the city where it takes place he plays a Louisiana cop who is cool and down with helping the people in his neighborhood. Like is the grown-up version of his character from Brick. No, not really. (laughs) Well, you don't know. He grew up cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but he's also a football fan in Project Power, so there's no way that he's he's a football fan from Brick. Jamie Foxx is playing a vigilante who's trying to stop this from hitting the streets Mm -hmm. and their paths cross on the way to stop the um, drug dealers who are leaking this drug onto the streets of New Orleans as a way of field testing it for military applications. So they're like, let a bunch of like street thugs and, and gangbangers blow themselves up. Then we gather a bunch of data and Can sell it to the Saudis once we figured out this one in ten you explode problem. Yeah,
0: crack crack the formula and you have a a super soldier pill. Yeah, got it.
2: And it's cool. Does it work? It
0: looked looked really slick. Like it looked like we have it on our uh, on our watch list. Like it looked it looked like a fun, slick sort of action.
2: It delivers. I feel like the direction and the writing was all pretty good the special effects were pretty cool the the one negative thing i would put about it is it doesn't really capitalize on having joe gordon levitt and jamie foxx in the movie like they're there but they're not they're not the main characters no they're the main characters they're just not the best versions of those actors
1: Hmm.
2: like joe gordon levitt plays pretty generic Cop who's mostly good, and Jamie Fox plays pretty generic vigilante who's trying to get things done. But they don't really have. Wow, man, they're 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 knocking out of the park. Like both of these guys can do. You know, uh-huh. they can both. Yeah, like the you, you could have,
0: down. you can just imagine, like, or at least I imagine having not seen the film, like just like fun scenes of them playing off each other and like both being like very good at doing. It. Does that?
2: Or being very, very intense when when stuff yeah. gets like pushed to the wall. And basically they could have had the two guys from Hawaii Five O in this movie and it would not have really affected That's the weird. end experience. It it was weird. Yeah, like you Maybe, have two
0: like kind of like dominant leading men <clears throat> who could both like pull that out and you're just like
2: No. It cool. So whatever Jamie Foxx's pump up music was Oh no. It was not Pumping not pumped up. up enough. They were mostly just kind of jamming to the songs afterwards, just like, "Yeah, man, that was a good song."
0: Yeah, get this job. stuff
2: off my street. Oh, you give me, give me that mixtape.
0: You're just playing some real smooth music.
2: There's <laughs> <Just laughs> a lot of Frank Ocean on the backpack. <laughs> Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox's backpack is just blasting like Voice to Men" nonstop. <laughs> nice. And it—it's not that it wasn't authentic. It just it wasn't capitalized on. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't poor acting. They just weren't ever pushing it to the edge of it. So they filmed yeah. it in. Well, I mean, I don't. Or they know were directed I mean. it in. Right. Because it was both of them, and I mean, it was a big, slick action movie with like lots of different set pieces, and they were all over the city and car chases and superhero powers, and, and I mean, was... I also
0: I have like not to say unlimited. Faith, but like Joe Gordon Levitt didn't like phone in like Looper or like uh, Inception or stuff like like he's been in some roles which are were very silly and he was like played it very well.
1: Okay, hold, oh, that, hold on, hold on, he did the, he did the the action movie where he's a bike courier. He was very yeah. intense in
0: that too. Was it?
1: <laughs> yeah, ah. <laughs> like uh, Premium Rush. Yeah,
0: like he, he was like. It's a bad movie, but Joe Gordon levitt is like giving it his all when <laughs> he's like in that moment. Yeah, this project, yeah. project Power had an $85 million budget, man. This is not a like straight to, even though it's straight to Netflix, it's not like a straight
2: to DVD release. That's, that's big movie money. That's like a third it's of a Marvel a movie. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's good. I like the movie. I thought it was cool. I thought the sci fi part of it was, was interesting. Uh, I don't know. It was it wasn't my favorite movie of all time. It just it was nice to see something. You mm. want to rank it? Yeah, sure. Or you know what? I'll, I'll wait for one of you guys to watch it. We can yeah. we can we can hang on this one.
0: Which I think might also be what happened to the Omen. I think you said you were going to watch the Omen, John. Mm.
1: That actually <laughs> makes sense.
0: Um, I just have a little bit of TV news before we wrap up.
1: Yeah, I'm
0: is it about Schitt's Creek? It isn't about Schitt's Creek, but Schitt's Creek swept the Emmys. If we wanted to do a, a quick, uh, if we wanted to dip our toes into the Emmy wins, Emmys uh, happened. Yeah, the uh, primetime Emmys happened yesterday, and uh, Schitt's Creek, uh, like literally, ev- swept every comedy uh,
2: category. It won like, seven
0: awards. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Uh, it's like the first time ever that like a Canadian production
2: did. Did you Jimmy? Did you see Jimmy Kimmel's bit on it? No. No. Oh, Chits Creek, Canada, you won seven Emmy Awards. And that, like, is great. I'm proud of you. It's just heartbreaking. Because if you would have won eight, you could have traded it in for this. And he gestures to the Stanley Cup. Like, <laughs> now now we have to keep it, again, for 27 more years. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 so so premium, sorry. Premium,
0: premium USA shade from Jimmy Kimmel right there.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sorry, Canada. So sorry. I was like, oh, good one sing ouch
0: yeah <laughs> although then i think was it and uh and francis murphy uh was just like a had an a plus beach and b was also in addition to her A plus beach was like i hope that this is uh, that can like canadian studios and stuff can stop just like almost choosing to live in america's shadow like, have you guys watched an episode of it Long. I've watched a couple. Uh, I know yeah. Evan and Eric love it. I know a lot of people that love it, like love it, love it, love it. Uh, mm. I thought it was fun. I uh, just, I don't know. Maybe I could go back to it. It's like what? It's in three, four seasons now. I want to say maybe even longer.
2: Yeah, maybe even longer.
0: Yeah. I don't and apparently it it's such... one of those.
2: It gave me such a corner gas vibe that I was like, hmm. "Well, apparently it, it's a little,
0: uh, a little Parks and Rec where it, like it takes like a season or two to shake off." the corner gas vibe. <laughs> like, 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 you know, like, like apparently like it starts like, Oh, it's like, it's another Canadian comedy and uh, whatever. And, but apparently it does like the later stuff is where, where the money happens. Like it wasn't winning. Yeah. Like, hang on. I'm I'm, I'm going to look this up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for me, it just kind of gave me the um, Kim's convenience corner gas, uh, little mosque on the prairie, kind of clever premise with some good, homegrown talent this fall on CBC. Not super concerned about watching it or missing it, but yeah. maybe if I was in a waiting room somewhere, I could have a chuckle because someone turned up the volume on the TV mm-hmm. kind of thing. Boy, you're selling this hard. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, never I've never good. seen more than five minutes of it, so I'm mm-hmm. not selling anything. I'm just saying that's why I never bothered with it. It looks yeah. like that CTV production.
0: Yeah, that's it. So It's, it's six seasons in. And, like, it started in 2005 – 2015, I should say. And, like, it was in 2018 where it started getting, like, nominated at, like, um, by American Award stuff. So that's, like, three – four seasons into the show before, like, international audiences were, like, hey, this is good. And from what I understand, that's where it, like, picks up is, like, season – season three, season four is where it starts to be, like, finding its stride and maybe shaking off the the CanCon, the weight. (laughs) Of, of CanCon production values and comedic timing and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Swept the uh, So I mean, like, hey, that's nice. <clears throat> um, oh, so what was your TV news? I am three episodes into Lovecraft Country, and it's amazing. Really? And not what you think. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, it is exactly what you think, but then it's also not what you think. So what they do is, so basically the, the whole, the premise is, is basically um, black characters getting pulled into Lovecraft stories, mm-hmm. not, not via magic, like getting pulled into individual books, but just sort of like getting, getting tangled up into weird fiction stories. So, like, they they go on a road trip in the first episode and then kind of get attacked by weird beasts in the night. And that's, like, a much more, like, leans heavily on the horror stuff of getting, like, chased down. In a second episode, they then end up sort of, like, into uh, a, silver, a Silver Twilight Lodge-esque kind of situation, like a cursed kind of, like, cult that seems everything is good, but they're trying to do something horrible and unspeakable. The <laughs> third episode is just a straight-up, like, kind of more traditional, like, ghost story of just, like, a haunting or whatever. So, yeah, it's just, like, each story is just kind of, like, taking Lovecraft uh, and, I guess, A, ramping it up a little bit and then probably also just pulling from, like, other pulp authors, too. So it just is, like, this fun, like, set in the 1950s and a bunch of, like, each week is the same characters getting kind of, like, it does have a through line, like, the storyline. There is, like, a a through line, but each episode is still kind of, like, a self-contained like adventure that can even kind of be like a different genre from huh. like, from like film, from like episode to episode. So it's like the guy who had the blood of the slave master in the second episode is now uh, getting asked to kind of do a more like tomb Raider adventure style. Thing. A little X Filesy, Right. I would say more, more of a through line than X files. Like they're, they're not one off. Like the adventure is kind of contained, but the storyline is still spread out. So you're like, right. okay, this is the ghost thing that's happening there's still like there's threads in every episode that are tying into the whole thing like they can be a
1: little delighted
0: by black heroes defeating lovecraft villains also yeah, yeah. also a plus yeah. which is just all over the place and and they they address that immediately like it's like yeah. lovecraft as a uh, as a author exists in this world hmm. uh, and like at one point like they like one of the characters likes reading um, what's that uh, the the guy who has the fights on Mars, like John John Connor, is it John? Not John Connor,
2: Carter. No, John, John Carter.
0: Carter. Yeah, 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 exactly. The main character is like a. That's his brand of pulp and whatever. And then like his uncle likes more the weird horror. Mm-hmm. So and like his uncle's like has like a Lovecraft book out there. And like the the kid is like immediately like, I don't know how you read that man. It's racist. <laughs> like it's just like, and he's like, well you 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 look you look past it to the stories or whatever. like, And he's like, I don't know, screw that guy. <laughs> like, and They just like call it H.P. Lovecraft pretty early on. I was like, yeah, if you're a black dude reading. How do you reconcile that? You, like,
1: you can look past it in the stories because he's so racist that black characters are typically very minor parts of the stories, where the the like the true virulence of his of his racism comes through in his letters, of which there uh, are like thousands and thousands of them published. Yeah, you know? I think
0: they even quote like one of he has like a letter titled like the, the a something on the n word defying society or whatever. Yeah, yeah. one of the characters like quotes that letter that he had published in something, yeah. you know, like e. but he so, didn't
1: have it published in anything. They were collected after his death and published because he yeah, was an but,
0: interesting author. So yeah, but this is 55. So yeah. it was published. Yeah. Right. Like he was publishing in the twenties, thirties. So yeah, he sounds right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I think he was, he, he died by 40, I think like he died really, really early mm-hmm. anyway. I yeah, know very good. I also like, and I don't know if this is something that will like, it makes the show more appealing to me. I just don't know if it'll necessarily uh, make it appealing to a mass audience is that all of these things do play really like pulpy and they kind of have, end up having that, like that old time radio vibe where it's like, yeah, if you, if you go to the bar and you rough up the bartender, he'll give you like the name, like license plate and like description of the guy. And that's your next move. You know, there's a lot of like that kind of like very like this storytelling only makes sense in like an adventure story. (laughs) it's kind of straightforward yeah exactly it's kind of straightforward and the twists don't come from that you're like yeah if they need to get to the house they're gonna get to the house you know like it's not they don't need to put that much together because the the horror isn't trying to figure out where the house is the horror is in the house so get the characters there as quickly as possible Mm -hmm. which is just it's kind of uh and like i said i enjoy it because of what it's drawing from but i was like but in terms of like modern storytelling it's very like Almost jarring how they just, like, find themselves in yet another situation, you know? But if you think about the source material, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's just what's going to happen. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. I like it a lot. And the cast mm-hmm. is A+. And uh, the dude who plays Omar and Chalky White is in it. And he's also always fun to see. He's, like, yep. a, a great actor that I can never remember the name.
1: Is uh, Omar Little? No, not Omar. Not uh, a character okay. name.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember there's a character Chucky White is the character. Yeah, great character actor. <laughs> like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I would uh,
1: highly highly recommend it. Cool. I started watching this is this is short. I started watching the remake of RoboCop. Did we talk about this?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh Maybe yeah. Oh. I feel like I, I mentioned it. it. So, Joel Kinnaman, who was the guy from um uh the Altered Cyber Carbon, Punk, Altered Carbon, okay? He plays RoboCop. I, it's it's kind of a disappointing film because Gary Oldman is in it and he's, he's like squandered and given shit tier dialogue and he does his best, but he can't save it. Same thing with Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is the villain and he's given terrible dialogue and, and it's just, a, he has bad motivation, you know, so you don't buy it at all. and, and there's too much action in shooting, even though that was like a big part of the film. It worked as the like the counterpoint of dystopian. It, it was like part of of the of the like story, you know, in the original mm-hmm. version. Whereas in this, you feel like it has forgotten that it was supposed to be ironic, and then it is it becomes the purpose of it. But there's a scene yeah. kind of early on in the film where. Joel has waken up, woken up, he's had his like, oh my god, I'm Robocop, he runs around, he's like, okay, I'm going to try and deal with this, and then he's talking with Gary Oldman, who's the scientist who put him together, and he's saying, okay, like, what is exactly going on here? How bad is this? And they have a fucking scene of Cronenberg body horror that was one of the best things I've seen on, on film in, I can't even think how long, where it's like a, a big shot of him in the big Robocop suit, and you can see his face is is like surrounded by metal, and then his hand is poking out of it, and he's like, well, how bad is it? And Gary's like, okay, you need to see this. And then it like these these like machine come comes in and they detach his legs and they take him off, take the legs off. And he's like, oh, oh no, my legs, you know? And then he's like, and then the machine comes in and it grabs his belly and the whole belly thing opens up and then there's nothing in there. It's all machines and whatever. And then it pulls it out. So he's just like the torso from the chest up. And he's like, no, no, this can't, no, stop, you know, and then it grabs the arm, everything from where his hand is exposed all the way up to his shoulder, that goes away. His right arm disappears as well. His chest opens up, and it's just two lungs in empty canisters going, so he's just like the head and the neck, and then his neck piece opens up, and there's fucking space under there too, and he realizes he's just a goddamn brain. Connected to a face and in his hand. That's everything that's left of him. And the rest is all computer. And he's like, fucking stop this now. You said you were gonna give me a choice, end it. <laughs> that's it's, awesome. it's, it's it's just a really, really, really well made scene in the middle of a, a very sad, sad, pointless remake. Well,
2: I like it it's it is not a great Robocop movie. Yeah. That cast that's no. that's, that's great. The, cast. That's the bummer thing. Yeah. I really like Michael Keaton's kind of shameless corporate Steve, what if Steve Jobs was in charge of the OCP yeah. character? It also, I, it's Michael K. Important. Williams. You guys is
0: also in that film, and he's the guy that plays Omar and Chucky. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. He's not. He's
0: not in there for long. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I know, but I'm saying, but he's also in that. I was like, wait a second. I was just looking at the casting, and I was like, Michael
1: K. Williams is in that. That's yeah. the guy. <laughs> but if you if you even jump in and just get to that scene, I, it's it's startlingly good, and well made. Wow. That, Do you want to rank new RoboCop? No, I didn't even finish it. Oh. That's well, a movie like, we all should.
2: The original RoboCop is a movie we all should watch again because that's all come true. Yeah. <laughs> like the corporatization of uh, the American police force in, like,
1: turning them into a military corporate. i I actually think it's even grimmer than that because Mm -hmm. in robocop these things are deployed against american citizens and so they can have the the feeling terrible that these things are happening whereas in the real world drones are murdering innocent people every goddamn day with ever increasing numbers and nobody sees about it and nobody cares because it's happening overseas there should be people screaming in the streets but but nobody does I mean, give it another
0: four years. We'll see if we get to the... If we're going to have anti-riot drone strikes. Like, if they're already, like, grabbing people off the streets in Portland... Yeah. Just... Developing
2: heat rays to... Yeah, yeah exactly. To burn I would like
1: like, to... That's already been a thing. It's been talked about for 20 years in their conspiracy forums, and I've recently read a thing about them showing it in use. Millimeter waves get ready that for sounds, it that, that, that sounds like garbage time talk everybody oh okay we're gonna start with that <laughs> all right let's wrap this up yep. take it easy everyone this is Nighthead.
2: hi thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show that means you're our number one fan As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now.
0: If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those, or you could just, you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the Internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John.
1: If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you could get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 9 <laughs> to blogs, and
0: comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.